0: Good morning, everyone. The worship, uh, I'm just blown away by our worship time this morning. I'm just really touched, and probably most of you don't know, but that last little tune that Mike was playing on his guitar was a tune that uh, was sung at Houghton College for years and years, Uh, something that he knew about uh, and that he knew that we would know. Uh, although it 's not really known outside of that context, what a hidden blessing God is God is great, God is great. it 's so powerful. Uh, you know, I, you know me. I usually, and Pastor Kristen as well, usually encourage you to read your Bibles, to pull them out right at this moment. I just feel really moved by the spirit to ask you to do something different. I, I just want to ask you to close your eyes. And I want you to imagine that you are an oppressed people, that everything around you has gone wrong. You're a nation, as Israel was, in which the world seems to be falling apart. Some of you have been to Haiti. You've seen a, a nation where the, it fell apart. Just imagine that you are part of a people who is without hope, and listen to these words from Isaiah 43. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters... I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead, Since you are precious and honored in my sight and because I love you, I give nations in exchange for you and peoples in exchange for your life. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, don't hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Oh God, those words are words of love, words that you care about this people, words that you care about us, that you have a heart for us. Thank you that you have words of love for us. You don't have words of harshness. You have words of love. Even your disciplinary words, Lord, that you give to us sometimes are there because you love us and you want good for us. Thank you that you're on our side. Thank you for your love. We just hold that, God, today. And we ask that you would speak now through your word. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I, uh, I remember walking into the room a tiny little room in a nursing home and there were two beds pushed close together and there was the 103 year old man and the 99 year old woman lying in bed holding hands married for 77 years Kristen's grandparents it was powerful Sorry, I don't get emotional often. Powerful. To see their love. They could hardly even hug each other anymore. But they were together, they cared, they were in relationship. Now, relationships come in many forms, it doesn't have to be a married relationship. It can be a relationship between friends. It can be a relationship with children or with parents or many other ways. But the truth is, friends, you and I, because we are human beings, are desperate for relationships. That is our DNA. We are built this way by God to be in relationship with other human beings. If you're breathing, relationships are crucial to you. There's nothing that we actually desire more than to be connected to God and to people. Sometimes we have a fantasy of living in the wilderness off on our own, but in reality, we really do want people. When people die, they don't gather around them all their trophies and all their diplomas, all their stock portfolios, and all their accomplishments. No, they they gather around them, they ask to be close to them, people. People that they love and care for in that crucial moment when they pass to the other side. I do remember when I was a kid wanting to uh, emulate this kid in a movie I saw called My Side of the Mountain. This was, uh, yeah, it was the 70s. Let's just put it like that. Yeah. And, uh, this is a great movie. I mean, I think I was about eight years old and I saw this movie, and this kid, uh, his summer vacation gets canceled, and so he runs away from home, and he goes up into the mountain uh, where his family has some land, but a huge amount of land, and he finds an old tree that he's able to kind of hollow out, and he kind of creates this little home in it, and he he survives out there for months on end, and I thought that was the most amazing, awesome thing. I I was like, I want to do that. I want to... I want to do that. I want to move to Alaska and live by myself in a cabin in the woods. And I'm thinking now to myself, I had no idea. I'm like such a people person. I couldn't have stood that for longer than a couple of weeks. But this was my image of the glory of living by yourselves. But friends, I, it's not. it's not a reality. We need people. Even if we're loners, even if we're folks who get rejuvenated by being by ourselves and then and then kind of lose energy when we're with large groups of people. Still, we need that knowledge that there are other people made in, the human, made in the image of God who are around us. Here's a few statistics for you. Mortality rates for people with strong supportive ties are two to five times lower than people with limited or no relationships. The incidence of terminal cancer is higher among isolated people than among those with close emotional ties to other human beings. And the rates of uh, hospitalizations for emotional and mental distress are five to ten times greater for patients who report few or no significant relationships in their lives. Everyone has a desire and a need for relationships. And frankly, we don't just want to be there and recognize. We want to have good relationships. We want to connect with people in a positive way. I, uh, I, I, this next slide here. Yeah. Oh, what was I thinking? It, I, I, I chose this because there was this kid I remember when I was in high school and we were driving to a basketball game and our team was uh, split up into a, in a couple of vans at that point and the, the kid is sitting right behind the driver and this this young kid was desperate for any kind of attention. And I remember that our coach is driving and the kid reaches around and puts his hands right in front of the coach's <laughs> eyes. He got everybody's attention in the van, but it was the wrong kind of attention. We were like, what are you doing, you stupid? band?" pounding on him. And of course, the coach just about freaked out. I mean, it was it was dangerous stuff. We want attention, but not just any attention. We want to have good relationships, healthy, quality, growing, authentic relationships. We, we actually want to relate, not just be there in the presence of someone else. We want to be connecting to them. We want to be able to care for them and be cared by them. We want to be able to talk to them and to listen to them. We want to be able to be loved by them and be able to love them. That's our DNA. Why well, uh, why else would we be, be so obsessed with stories, of relationship? Just think about just think about almost any television program, almost any movie it 's all about people relating with each other. It's the rise of social media is a perfect example of that I was just saying to my kids in the car yesterday i 'm so glad for Facebook because I have so many." friends from so far back in my past that I'm still able to keep a little bit of a connection to and occasionally share a joke with or share a life story with, share a picture with. It's so important. Even if I can't be right there, it's so great to know that they're still thinking of me and I'm still thinking of them. Well, we're working on this series in the month of September, a series called Building Great Relationships. And today, our topic is Pouring the Foundation. How to see yourself through God's eyes. Pouring the foundation. You'll see there's a great foundation that was built up here for us uh, by a a couple folks. I'm just so thankful for people who are willing to go out of their way and and create some of these great images. And you can see the cement block foundation that's put over here. We're going to build a little bit more each week. I want to show you a picture of a famous building that has a few foundation problems. Yeah. 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 There it is, Leaning Tower of Pisa. I used to think it was pizza, but it's not really. It's Pisa in Italy. It's a a beautiful edifice. It stands next to a cathedral. It's 183 feet tall, and it weighs 14,500 tons. This building was started on August 9th in the year 1173, and it took them 174 years to complete it. Just think, maybe four, five, six generations of masons were working on that building. Whoever the last ones were, were able to say this. Yeah, my great, 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 great grandfather started this building, and I'm completing it. It holds seven bells, which are carefully tuned to a musical scale. Its marble arches rise eight stories high. And there's 294 stairs to the top, and you can climb it uh, if you dare. But actually, it's been reinforced uh, very carefully. Uh, and um, it's actually uh, safe at this point. It's a perfect, gorgeous example of medieval architecture, and nobody would necessarily know it, you know, as any other uh, different than any other gorgeous medieval architecture building, except, of course, that its foundation was built on shifting strata. And as soon as they got it up, it just started to tip, and now everybody knows it. I mean, how many pizza joints do you know that have this as a symbol? It's all over. It's pretty obvious, isn't it, that it is crucial to have your foundation built on something absolutely strong and sturdy, absolutely solid, in order for the whole rest of the building to go well. You know, we could have used lots of materials to build the foundation that this building we're in right now, right? Right? We could have used sticks and stones or straw or little bricks. or And where would we be? We'd all be in a pile of rubble right now, wouldn't we? No, instead we used concrete and um, cement and things like that. Things which we know are solid because everything else, no matter how beautiful, will not survive if the foundation is not in solid place. I, uh, I remember being in high school and uh, a friend of mine, Brian, his family was building a new house. And uh, his father had worked it out. I think his father was a smart guy. He was uh, was like, you know, my sons have all these friends. I'm going to save a boatload of money by getting together a whole bunch of wheelbarrows and a cement mixer, and they're going to pour the foundation for me. And I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I know that, I, that I've been commanded to go to my friend Brian's house on this Saturday, and I showed up with my wheelbarrow, and guess what, man? The cement was mixing, and all the forms were in place, and a, we had about 25 guys running wheelbarrows up ramps and pouring it into the... I mean, it was crazy, and I just remember thinking, wow, foundation for a house is pretty serious. Like... They're trusting this to us high school guys. Of course, there were foremen in the area who were making sure we did the right thing. But you don't skimp on the foundation, do you? I mean, they made sure we did it right, and we did it fast. It was was an amazing thing. It was the first time I'd ever really seen a house built from the very ground up. Well, unfortunately, when it comes to our relationships, we often... Try to build on foundations which are not so sturdy, not so reliable. How many times have you seen yourself or maybe others try to build a relationship on on something which can so easily crumble away, like the foundation at the Tower of Pisa? Maybe personality or popularity. I love being around this person. They're a great person. They have such a dynamic way about them. They're fun. They make me laugh. And that's a wonderful thing. And I certainly hope that that is the kind of relationships that you have. And yet, if that's the core foundation of your relationship, I guarantee you that someday you're going to wake up and that person isn't going to make you laugh today. It's just they won't be quite as exciting as they were when you first started out. Some folks try to build relationships on sexuality. This person is good-looking. This person is beautiful. This person supplies all my needs. But, you know, friends, that won't last forever. And it's a terrible thing to build an entire relationship on. Some people build it on their skills. They're good at expressing themselves. They can respond to others. They know how to fight fairly. They've got special techniques they use, like... You know, being specific and learning from each other and listening and everything. But, you know, but still, even with all those good skills and good personality, connecting, communication type things that they have, still, that's not the core. It's not the core of what a powerful relationship is. There's only one foundation upon which great relationships can be built. Only one thing. That is truly the real foundation of a great relationship. And this is it. It's unconditional love. Unconditional love. And unconditional love is what we look for. From our friends. From our spouses. From our children. From our parents. From anybody that we truly love and we want them to love us back we want unconditional love we we want it to be that even when we're a jerk they will still say okay you're being a jerk today but i still love you okay and 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 that's we crave that even we know that we're all prone to mess up we're all prone to 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 be sinful and we want people to love us unconditionally and friends, you can have an amazing marriage, and I hope you do, or you can have an amazing friendship with somebody. You can have uh, an amazing uh, uh, relationship with your child or with your parent or, or whatever. But ultimately, every human relationship will at some point fail in terms of uh, uh, really truly making us ultimately happy. The only person who can truly, truly give total and complete unconditional love is God. There, there is a time where every human relationship comes to that, mm, like this. But God, God will never, ever fail to unconditionally love human beings. That is his his nature. That's what you heard in the scripture this morning in Isaiah 43, that he just loves these people. He loves them. And though times will be difficult, he will call them back. He will call them from all the four faces, the four ends of the earth and bring them back. He will love them no matter what. Every relationship, every great relationship starts with this foundation. This is it. This foundation you are the love of God's life. That is the foundation. You are the love of God's life. If you know in your heart that God unconditionally loves you, that you are precious in the sight of God, and that nothing you can do will separate you from the love of God, if you know that, that, has, that gives you the foundation that you need to have real relationships, great relationships with other people. There is a core reality to your soul. If you know deep down, I am loved by God, then no matter what happens when you're interacting with other human beings, you will know, okay, wait, it's all falling apart out here, but I am loved by God. I have a foundation which will not fail. God is the one who can give us True, complete, total, unconditional love. You are the love of God's life. I love that image. I mean, I remember on my marriage day looking at my wife and thinking, she is the love of my life. And it's true. I'm thrilled after almost 22 years of marriage. Yay. Kristen is the love of my life. But you and I, God loves us so much that he would describe each one of us as the love of his life wow I, uh, I could hear people think maybe no, no wait a minute I thought the love of your life had to be romantic you know kind of like Titanic Jack and Rose <laughs> I mean isn't that about what love is really all about or uh, how about Romeo and Juliet or Anthony and Cleopatra or if you're from the 80's Jack and Diane isn't that what it's all about no, the love, the love of your life, the ultimate unconditional love, it comes from God. I just want to read you some passages of Scripture. Isaiah 43.4, you are precious and honored in my sight. I love you. First John 3, 1 John 3.1, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. And that is who we are. Friends, you, you are the love of God's life. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now. You are the people of God. Once you, were not re- you did not receive mercy, but now you have received mercy. Friends, you are the love of God's life. Say this with me. I am the love of God's life. Say this. I am the love of God's life. Now we're going to get really crazy here. We're going to put our name in there. I'm going to say Bill. Don't you say Bill. You say your name, okay? All right? And we're going to say your name, and then is the love of God's life. Don't say your name is the love of God's life. Say what your name is, is love. you got it? Okay, ready? One, two, three. Bill is the love of God's life. Let's try it one more time. I want to hear your names. Ready? One, two, three. Bill is the love of God's life. Say that to yourself at 3 o'clock in the morning when you wake up and you're scared and you're wondering and you're just like, oh, and you can't get back to sleep. You are the love of God's life. 1 John 4.10, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Jesus died so that you and I can live. You are the love of God's life. Oh, yeah, but if God really knew me, if God really knew all my, God does know you. He knows it all. He knows everything everything that's going on. He knows those innermost thoughts of hatred, of pride, of arrogance, of lust. He knows those temptations, those things that you give into and also the ones that you resisted but you really wanted to do it. He knows those actions, dishonesty, stealing, abortion, cheating on a test, lying about your taxes, having an affair. He knows all that stuff. He knows all that stuff about us. He knows about the addictions to alcohol or to pornography or to sugar or to sex or to drugs. He knows about it all. There's nothing he doesn't know about, and yet you are the love of God's life. It doesn't matter what you have done. You are the love of God's life. And if you know that, if you know that, then you have a foundation upon which you can build real, authentic, genuine relationships with other people. We are all messed up, friends. We are all messed up. Abs- say with me, I am messed up. I am messed up. Lift up your hand and say, I am messed up. Yep, there's a bunch of messed up people here, okay? It's true. My grandpa used to say, "They went, they got dressed up to get messed up. You know what I mean? That was, that was his comment about Saturday night, people who went out too late on Saturday All right, we're all messed up, okay? We all got dressed up to get messed up. We did. And God loves us unconditionally. I, uh, I think of a young minister from Rochester uh, several years ago, probably about 10 years ago. A young guy who was a Lutheran pastor who um, uh, was given a terminal diagnosis of cancer. He was told he had six months to live. And in that amount of time, it hit him, he was about 32 at the time, it hit him that suddenly he realized, I am not going to be able to make right in these six months all the junk in my life that I always planned that I would get in order before I got too old, because I'm going to die in 6 months. And I had a friend who was attending his church and heard this amazing sermon on grace that he preached about how the fact that he was not able to make it all right. That he suddenly knew that in a new way and he did pass away 6 months later. But his witness is being spoken right now in Bemis Point. And people have told that story over and over again. God loved him unconditionally, even though he wasn't able to make it right, even though he was messed up. And the implications of this are just huge. The implications of this are huge for relationships because this is what it gives you the power to do. It gives you the power to risk, to take a risk on intimacy, authentic connection with another human being because you are founded in Christ. Uh, I, uh, well, let me just put it like this. I rock climbed in college. I didn't look as cool as that guy. I want you to know. But we, uh, I did a lot of rock climbing in college. And look, what, look what's happening. The rope is protecting him. If he falls, it will catch him. And because of that, he is able to risk more than if he didn't have the rope there. I remember a specific climb up in Canada where we were at this place... That when you got to a certain place, you had to kind of put your feet up, grab on, and then reach real high. And there was no way I was going to reach real high unless I had a rope there. Because about the first three times I did it, I reached, missed, and fell on the rope. And when you're hanging 80 feet off the ground, you want to make sure that your rope is really, yeah, secure. Now, it was fun to keep trying it because it eventually happened. But the rope gave the security. And friends, the foundation, knowing that you are the love of God's life, that gives you the security. The security to reach out and to be risky with human relationships. What I mean by that is not that you would do risky things, but that you would, you would be able to expose your real self, the, the real fears and hurts and also hopes and dreams that you have, and that you'd be able to share that honestly with another person. You're so secure, you can risk openness with others. You can withstand the pain if somebody finds out who you really are and says, no, well, I'm, I'm, I'm backing off. That, that doesn't totally devastate you. That doesn't totally destroy you. You know who you are. You're a child of God. You're broken, but you're also loved. And so rejection does not devastate you. If someone disagrees with you and you're a good friend and you come to a a place of disagreement and, and that disagreement is hard, it doesn't have to destroy the friendship. You can still be real with each other because you know I am loved by God. I am the love of God's life. You won't be devastated if people discover your vulnerabilities. I mean, we all have fears, we all have fears about relationships, fears of becoming known for who we really are. We fear the pain of, of disappointment that we could inflict on another or they could inflict on us, the pain of the, the fear of losing our freedom. How many folks will not have a real connection with other human beings because they're just scared that that person's relationship with them will shut down their freedom? That's a reality, a fear of... of not only being a giver, but a fear of being a taker. Do you know folks who are like, no, no, I can't accept anything from you. It's like they're scared almost of being indebted to other people. But if your foundation is that you are the love of God's life, then you already know you're indebted. And you're able to reach out and connect with others. Fear of judgment, fear of showing weakness. There's all sorts of things that we're scared of. God surrounds us like a strong tower to which we can run in a time of difficulty. Proverbs eighteen ten says, "The name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run to it and are safe. The arrows, their arrows, cannot penetrate the tower of God's love that surrounds us." I want to show you a picture of a, a tower. This is one of the uh, high towers in Ireland, and um, it's. Uh, I'm not sure if this one is at Monaster Boyce, but there was a, a place that uh, Pastor Kristen and I were able to visit, and uh, it was this beautiful old uh, uh, sort of a cemetery, and it was a former monastery, and they had these, this high tower that looked just like this. And and we asked, why are these high towers here? And the answer was that when when the Vikings would come, the monks would all run into the tower, and the... the, the uh, Um, door is like 20 feet off the ground. And they just pull the ladder up and shut the door and sit in the tower. And there was a well that went all the way down in the middle of the tower, and they could just hang out in that tower for as long as they had to until the Vikings would go away. I mean, we're talking like 12, 1,300 years ago, and these things are still standing. It's really interesting. That's what our love, our, 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 our knowledge of God loving us unconditionally is like that high tower that we can run to, that we can be secure so that we don't have to be afraid of having real relationships. We can have the mindset of God where we value others as much as ourselves, where imperfect people are able to be loved. We can have the wisdom of God like in James 1. If you lack wisdom, he'll give it to you. Understanding yourself and others. Figuring out what's right and wrong. We can have the power of God to forgive. To have peace. To have the patience we need in difficult times. Friends, all those things and a million more are what real relationships are about. And that's what we're going to be looking at for the next three weeks. But I want you to know that your foundation has to be built on this reality. That you are the love of God's life. God loves you unconditionally. That is your security. Well, it's sort of a start back Sunday after the summer, isn't it? Kids went off to school this week. Seems like the whole town shut down this week. (laughs) Except for a monster fireworks show last night that I was unaware that was going to happen. Was anybody else caught off guard by that? I thought it was maybe the War of 1812 starting over again, you know? Canadians were invading us or something. No, it was was awesome. But it's a new start, isn't it? A new time. There's a little slip of paper in your bulletin. It has the pictures of sort of a cement block foundation. And it says right in the middle of it, it says, because God's love is my foundation, because God's love is my foundation, I'm all in. I'm all in. And what I mean by that, I'm all in, is for you, maybe it's a relationship that you're, you've been struggling with. Should I be all in on this? Maybe it's your connection with God. Maybe you're, you've been unsure. Does God really love me? And I hope that after today, you've been reassured. Yes, God loves you unconditionally. Maybe it's church. Maybe you've been away for a while, and you need to recommit. I am all in here. I'm going to be here. I'm going to be a part of this place. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's forgiveness. You're all in to ask God to continue to help you work on forgiving somebody. You're all in to doing what God wants you to do. Whatever that is for you, because God's love is the foundation, is your foundation, you can be all in. I don't know what that is for you, but I know people out here are struggling with many things. And I want you to just have the opportunity to recommit that this morning. So we're going we're gonna to have communion, and we're going to have the opportunity to come forward and receive communion. But I just I want you to, to take that little piece of paper, and if that's real for you, if that's real for you, I want you to just sign your name to that paper. We're not going to go through and say, who signed and who didn't? We're not going to do anything like that. But we've got these toolboxes right up here, right on the front. And when you come forward for communion, you come forward, you receive the supper of God. You receive the nourishment that God gives to you. And then you can drop off your little slip in the toolbox. In the toolbox, the building of great relationships. But you're all in. You're willing to do whatever God calls you to do can receive his food, and then you can drop it off. I'm all in, God. And time for re-covenanting with the Lord. A chance to remind ourselves once again, God is our foundation.